Good morning, everybody. Good to see uh, everyone here today. Um, if this is your first time here at Hill City, um, welcome. Uh, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of the team here. And uh, just, it's a thrill to have you here. Um, whether or not you know this, you were prayed for um, before walking in these doors today. So um, just we're so glad that you're here and hope that this is a place that you can uh, call home. We're in this series around uh, prayer. And you know, normally we would do uh, an Advent series during this time, but uh, we just wanted to take a large chunk of time and talk about prayer and uh, how prayer should be integrated into our lives, what it looks like, some of the different nuances of prayer, because prayer can be uh, complicated sometimes. But uh, we wanted to look at different angles each, each week. And uh, even this past week, just thinking about um, just some of the funny things about prayer. You know, prayer can be like kind of have little funny moments. And so um, have you ever been around someone who changes the way they talk when they pray? You know, and like all of a sudden they just either their voice gets deeper or they use like really spiritual language or, um, or they speak really loud. I don't know, maybe because God's really far away or something, but, but they all of a sudden you're like, I don't know why you're talking so loud like right now, but um, they feel like they got to scream their prayers or, or maybe um, you guys ever been like in group prayer? Anytime it's high pressure, right? Like group prayer is high pressure. If it's um, as people start praying, like around the circle, around the room, and you start feeling like I don't have anything to pray for, but then it gets down to like two of you, right? Like, and, and you got to say something, and so you make something up, typically. Um, or uh, uh, Natalie on staff was talking about how she can't keep her eyes closed for that long, like in a longer prayer, and that there's nothing worse than when she's opened her eyes and she sees someone else has opened her eyes at the same time because you feel so deeply convicted that you're doing something wrong in that moment. Or uh, maybe we pray for uh, like really crappy meals. You know, like it's like our whole meal is yellow in front of us and because it's all fried and it's all whatever. And um, we're like, oh, would you bless this to my body? And it's like, that's just not how this works. And um, or, or um, how many of you guys ever prayed for a test you didn't study for that God would miraculously give you the answers, right? I mean, in essence, we're asking if God would cheat for us, right? Like, that's basically um, what we're doing. But my favorite, my favorite prayer thing that happens in, in the church world, so if you're not in, like, the, if you're just new to this whole faith thing, you just might think, oh, this is dumb. But um, someday you will hold hands in prayer. And at the end of prayer, when someone says amen, they'll give you a little squeeze, right? A little extra, extra little... Spirit squeeze, I guess it is. I don't know. But um, there's just some funny things about prayer that we, that we do. Um, but you know, when you talk about prayer and how the Bible talks about prayer, um, what's interesting about all of it is as you begin to engage it, the Bible does actually say um, that there are things that actually hinder our prayers. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but um, there are things that, um, that, that can impact like how we pray, um, truly even the effectiveness of our prayer sometimes. And so I wanted to highlight a few of these things because today's sermon um, is going to be more about questions than answers, but um, I, I really wanted to highlight a few things off the top like the Bible does talk about because um, we're going to talk about unanswered prayer today. And, um, and that's a really difficult thing to, to talk about because um, the nature of an answered prayer is mystery. And, um, and so, uh, but I do want to talk about on the front end some things that actually might impact your prayers. And so um, here, uh, I'm going to just list off a few with a Bible verse that goes along with it. The first one is this, that you might be in conflict or have the wrong motives. You might be in conflict or have the wrong motives. James 4.3, um, and, and James is talking a lot about what's happening within the community of people and uh, that they're in conflict at all times. And so James 4.3 says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you 
pleasure. And so that even when you're praying, that like what's behind your motives, like the, the reason that you're praying is just about you. Um, and a lot of times, even in conflict with people, our lives get centered on us, and we want to alienate and disassociate uh, from other people, and our prayers are impacted. Uh, a second one is we're defiant. Um, Proverbs 28.9 says this, that God detests, that's a strong word, right? God detests the prayer of a person who ignores the law. This is not saying like if you're speeding, this is like the, the, the word of God, that when we are defiant against the word of God, that means that our motives of how we pray aren't going to be right either, because we're just wanting to go our own way and do what we want to do. So we're like, mm, I don't care about this thing, but I'll still pray to you. God's like, nah, I'm not interested in those kinds of prayers. Um, another one is a lack of confession, right? A lack of confession. And it says this, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, and so it's this idea that we're, as we're approaching God in prayer, that there should be a level of humility, right? And we'll talk about that in a different way in just a second, but um, that there should be a level of humility and like this kind of wonder of like, whoa, like I just, God, let me be honest with like who I am right now. Um, another one, unforgiveness. This is a tough one. Unforgiveness is a tough one um, because, you know, a lot of times like unforgiveness is something that you have to do at times for years. And sometimes unforgiveness um, might be a lifetime where you just had to keep reminding yourself to forgive someone. Has anyone ever felt that? You thought you forgave someone, you hadn't seen them in like four or five years, you saw them again, you're like, nope. <laughs> like still feel the same way, right? Like that, and so you have to like, you have to like do this. But here's what, this is Jesus talking. He says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So it's this process of like, man, let me just like make sure I'm not holding anything against someone as I pray. Greed is another one. Those who shut their eyes to the, uh, shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. So he's like, if you live your life just in greed at all the time, it really impacts your prayers of how you see people, but also in the reality of like, then when we engage again, it's like, now I need something. It's like, well, where were you before? It impacts your prayers. Uh, how a husband mistreats the wife. Now, contextually, I would say that you could reverse this as well um, now in modern times, but based on the way it was written back then. 1 Peter 3, 7, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker, that doesn't mean like inferior, it just means physically, um, than you are, uh, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her um, as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. So how spouses treat each other like impacts the way that um, we pray. Double-minded. Double-minded, James 1. This, this is not about just doubting, all right? So when you see this, um, don't just think about just doubt. There's a difference between doubting with God or doubting to, to um, understand God more versus just being like, you go with this doubting route, just like, I don't care about God, okay? So what... James is saying here, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. It impacts how we interact with God. And um, you might have like experienced that, uh, the season of doubt. There is a huge difference. And I really mean this. A huge, like, I, um, I have times of doubt myself around certain things. But the doubt and the questions and the curiosity is, is angled towards, I want to understand God more and deeper rather than trying to alienate myself from God. 
Um, here's another one, um, a lack of consistency. Um, Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing uh, good, for at the proper time they reap a harvest if they do not give up. There's this idea of persistency and consistency in how we pray. Um, some of you guys who are familiar with the Bible might be uh, Luke 18 with a persistent widow. It's, it's about her prayers, the consistency and the persistency of um, our prayer. Um, and this last one, pride. James 4, 6, uh, but he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Like, this is our get hit in the crotch moment. What? If you weren't here last week, um, I realize out of context, that doesn't sound great. Um, I talked about Jacob getting hit in the crotch, and his hip popped out, and just go hear the sermon last week. Anyway, be, he poses the proud but gives grace um, to the humble. Now, we have all these things and we see those kind of realities. And, and listen, even in what I just said to all of those little moments, there is some, it's complicated sometimes because you think like, whoa, unforgiveness? Like, I didn't even realize this. You're telling me the last three years, I didn't even realize I had unforgiveness in my heart and the impact of my prayer. And it's like, it's complicated. Like there's some things that are complicated around prayer and, and we've got to accept that reality. There's a mysterious element to, to prayer. But then even you start getting into some certain scenarios where prayer becomes really hard. You know, like maybe you've looked at a, a situation where someone seemed to have a prayer answered and they, they're like an awful person. And you're like, why is that prayer getting answered? And I know so-and-so at, at church or whatever that's like the matriarch of the church and she's done, it seems like she just walks in step with God, but she can't be healed. Or she can't, you know, it's like, man, it, it gets tense. You get, you get more kind of um, circumstantial like, like situations or, or kind of that happen in the world. It's like, can you imagine if uh, uh, one Christian soldier on one side is going against one Christian soldier on another side, they're both praying to win, but they both have guns pointing at each other. How does all that stuff work? Like, what is it, like, what do, we, what do we do in some of these scenarios? Like, it's, why does it seem like God sometimes saves certain people and then doesn't save others? Um, I've heard people be like, man, I wish God would, I, this was a conversation a long time ago. Um, I remember having, and they said, uh, I just wish God would rid the world of all evil. And I said, he's done that before. Um, and uh, he wiped everyone out. And guess what? If he were to do that again, he would wipe everyone out again. And so you, you realize that even in some of the context of prayer, it's like, oh man, like it's, it's, it's hard, it's complicated. And so um, how many of you guys uh, recently have had some kind of unanswered prayer that you've been longing for? And um, yeah, like throughout time and throughout our lives, this would be a very familiar thing. And I, and I and I don't mean to like paint this picture of God's silent or God's not interacting or anything, but we're going to have times of unanswered prayer that we don't understand and, and that we're left with this mystery and we're left with what's God going to do in uh, the midst of all of this. And so again, today is not about, it's not about coming up with answers per se when it comes to unanswered prayer. Um, it really is like just tapping into some of the questions and then our heart and then our perspective around it. Um, I think when it comes to unanswered prayer, um, here is, uh, I think, a big question that we might have. What do we do with a God who is supposedly all-powerful 
yet at times seems to operate with deafening silence. And um, when I wrote that question down, I, people's stories started just coming into my head of um, you know, sitting with them in different scenarios and, and, and you feel the reality of that. Um, you, you hear um, that this is basically what they're saying as they're weeping over an unanswered prayer. And, um, and, and so, and it's, it's really hard to kind of stomach and it's, it's really hard to take those moments in and, and people can like get thrown like way off in their faith and it can really start to get angry at God in the, in the midst of this or, or maybe start looking at things in, in the wrong way um, in process. And so what I want to do today is, is again, maybe give us a little bit of a framework um, to just think through as we go through times of, of deciphering and discerning, like, what do I do during times of unanswered prayer? Or maybe, um, as I was praying this week and uh, in, in realizing that in this room uh, today, uh, between these two services, there's going to be a lot of people struggling with unanswered prayers. Um, You've been praying for something for so long and haven't felt like it's been answered in the way that you've desired. Um, You've been praying for something, um, maybe you've been praying for like a family member, a son, a daughter. Maybe you've been praying for, um, to have kids. Maybe you've been uh, praying to be healed over something. Maybe you've been praying for wisdom in a situation. Maybe you've been praying about depression, anxiety. Maybe you've been praying... um, uh, for friends, and, and it just seems like you're buttoned up, you're just, like, you're just hitting like this wall, like time and time again. And I was just praying this morning that, um, that man, that if that's your story right now, that um, you would feel a sense of freedom and hope today um, in the midst of your unanswered prayer. And, uh, and, and even those that might be, uh, you might be on the more like really like logical side of things and you're like, I need to figure out exactly how God answers prayers and what's the formula to answer all my prayers perfectly. Um, I was praying for you today that you would appreciate the mystery of God and um, that there would be a deep sense of awe and wonder about who God uh, actually is. Um, in, the, in the Christmas story, if you read in Luke chapter one, uh, two of the characters that come on the scene right away are actually John the Baptist's parents, um, uh, Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth. And uh, part of their story is, is really interesting because um, when I was reading through the story this week, you know, you, you've got an unanswered prayer um, with uh, Elizabeth on the front end. Like it's been years and years and years and years of, of wanting a child. And we actually see this in, in verse 7 of Luke chapter 1. It says, but they were childless because Elizabeth, Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. And so you see this passage and, and you realize, all right, this is like John the Baptist is, is coming right before, you know, Jesus and kind of preparing the way for him and everything. But, but this is a powerful story because you see like, man, there's just this, this huge unanswered prayer, uh, in particular in that society, because to have a, um, a child was like such a big deal, um, even more so uh, than, than, than now. And um, it was because it's about wealth, it was about carrying on your family name. It was about, for women a lot of times, it was about just even general status, like within the community. Um, and, and so it was a really big deal. So to be childless for this long was a huge unanswered prayer. So the story goes, for those of you who don't know, the story goes like just after this, um, an angel visits and is like, hey, like, 
you're going to have a baby. And uh, Zechariah has this interaction and, and, um, and they talk about like, what the baby's going to be like and the power of the Spirit of God that's coming on the baby. And uh, here's Zechariah's response, which is, I mean, I understand it, yet it's, part of it's kind of funny. He's like, yeah, but how can I be sure of this? And he's smart. Here's why he's smart. Look what he says. I'm an old man. He says, but my wife, she's just well along in years, right? <laughs> But you can see in this moment, it's like Zechariah is interacting with an angel of the Lord, yet there's a piece of him, and he's been faithful to God. Um, there's a piece of him that's still doubting. And, he, and he's doubting like, man, I, this is not how I thought this prayer was going to be answered after all these years. This is not how I thought this was going to go. And so even in what seems like to be an answer to the prayer that they have been praying, he has some doubt because it's not exactly the way he thought it would go. And I think we can somehow sometimes get in that same place with, with prayers. And so we begin to see like, all right, this is part of their story. And so there are just a couple of things that I just want to highlight um, about um, how we engage times of unanswered prayer. And the first thing is, is this. We need to be honest about roles. We need to be honest about roles. Um, everyone has expectations in every uh, single relationship you are ever in. And, uh, and expectations are, are everything in communication. And uh, in the health of a relationship, expectations or unmet expectations play a massive role. Um, you have expectations with God. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about what those things are and what they look like, but you do. Like, and, and I'm actually going to have you participate so everyone can see what your expectations are. Um, but you have expectations from God. He has expectations for us. And, and that's a very real thing. Um, here's the problem. Sometimes, sometimes those expectations get unmet because we're not aware of what they are. And here is a truth about every relationship with expectations. Unmet expectations create conflict and disappointment. You guys have heard me say something similar to this before, um, but every uh, argument, every point of conflict in your, any relationship you have, friendships, um, if you're dating, if you're married, whatever, if you're parenting, um, expectations matter. And when those expectations are not clearly defined, and the other person is responding in kind and understanding the expectations, that's where you get disappointment and conflict. How many of you guys have experienced that reality? Yes, right? So name any, no matter how small or how big, name any point of conflict in any single relationship, and this will always hold true. It is unmet expectations. One person didn't understand or one person didn't meet them or both didn't in, in this scenario. Here's what I want you to do to participate, all right? So I want you to take out your phones. And, um, and so, uh, or just get off Instagram for a second. And, um, and so um, take out your phones and I want you to go to uh, menti.com, all right? Um, you see menti.com and for the first service, um, the code is 216-04452, all right? 216-04452, 216-04452. And what we'll see there, there's going to be two questions. And um, as you guys begin to answer uh, that first question, um, and second question for that matter, as you begin to answer, I want you to see what people think in this room. Um, and so it'll, it'll come up on the, start coming up on the screen. So menti.com, 216, well, 04452. 
All right, so what do we expect from God? All right? These are all things that you guys are saying right now. Love and joy and grace and hope and unity, forgiveness, protection, consistency, nothing, clarity, proper golf swing, been, been there, um, blessings, unconditional love, answers, right? Him to be with us, safety, discipline, immediacy, accuracy, justice, to keep his word, a peacemaker, like all these things that are coming up. And, and so these are like, it's interesting that there's some like really centered ones, right? Like love and grace. Those things aren't moving, no matter how much these other things are going on. And we start seeing like, all right, this is just a reality. Like we all have expectations um, uh, towards God. Now, how many of those things are real? How many of those things are um, like what we see is like, like doable for God? Like that remains to be seen, but, but these are the expectations we have. So it's good to even like to, to know that they're there and, um, and to just be like, hey, here's the thing. I actually do expect God to listen to me to be like um, uh, uh, immediate in his response. Like that's what I feel like. I expect God to always like kind of make himself known to me, right? And so that might be your expectation. It's good to just know what they are. Now, um, the second question, the second question is a little different. It's what does God expect from us? And so as you begin to answer that one, we'll see what comes up because it's important then to begin to see like, okay, what does God actually expect from us? Those that um, say they're following him. So what do we expect from God and what does God expect from us? Well, is it up there? You just hold on, okay. But as you're answering that, there are things that will start to come up that we realize, hmm, we expect things from God. He expects things from us. And it's, it's got to figure out like, all right, do these, how do these things match up and how do they create the right kind of relationship uh, within us? So um, if you're thinking about, uh, when those come up, we can put them up. But when we, when we think about the reality of uh, our expectations, well, all right, here we go. What does God expect from us? Honesty, obedience, love, sacrifice, praise, terrible golf swing, um, <laughs> grace, right, prayer to seek him, active listening, compassion, authentic self, follow his will, forgiveness, like all these things are wonderful, right? These are, these, these are things that we, we believe that God expects from us. And those are all like really great. And so many tr are, are true. But let's think about all right, what does like the Bible say? Like, and, and there's a lot of different passages you, you could use, but I want to highlight um, a couple that shows expectations. Exodus 34, 6. It says this, that the Lord, the Lord, this is God actually speaking. The Lord, Lord, look at him. He, this is what you should expect out of him, that he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving the wickedness, rebellion, and sin. It's like, we should expect this from God. But look what else you say. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children their, um, and their children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation. So we see that God is just. 
And so we, we begin to see, like, here are some of the realities, that he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, um, he's abounding in love, he, um, he is giving love to, to everyone. He looks at, the, he wants to forgive our rebellious nature and, and sin, yet at the same time, he's also just. Like, there are things that, that happen, there are consequences for actions. And, and if someone doesn't, like, interrupt, like, you, you guys ever heard of generational sin? Have you ever heard that isn't automatic. The only reason generational sin happens, it's not because of some punishment. It's because someone has not stepped in to stop it. And so we start seeing that God, man, he responds to all those things. But, but this is what we should expect from God, that he should be compassionate, so to anger and gracious, and he should be just, and that he's forgiving. And so we're like, all right, I can expect that of him. And, and in my life, is actually that what I experienced? And is he meeting those expectations? Now, here's what he expects from us. Jesus actually talks about this. He says, to love the Lord God with all, not some, but all, your heart, your soul, and with your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says this, to love your neighbor as yourself. Then everything that's taught in the word of God, then you begin to understand what it is. And so it's like, all right, as we begin to pray and as we begin to understand what the expectations are, it's like, all right, this is who like, God says that he is and I want to have that expectation of him. And so even at times where we might get angry or like wonder or just have these unanswered like prayers, it's like, yeah, but is God still being those things? And if he is, then he's meeting the expectations. And then on the other side, we have to then start thinking like, but am I, am I meeting the expectations on my side? Am I loving the Lord God with all my heart, with all my mind, and all my soul? Am I doing my part in this relationship? And, and understanding, and, and, and like, man, is my anger, is it, is it really about God not meeting the expectations or just me not getting what I want? And am, I, am I doing, you know, my part in, in all of this? A lot of times we begin to understand expectations and it's like, oh, so we just pray? No, no, we don't just pray, right? Prayer leads us to something. Prayer, pray in our expectations and understanding and relationally who God is and who we're supposed to be with God, our prayers then start echoing those expectations. And our, the words that we're using like start doing it. That's like when you do the Lord's Prayer. You sit and do the Lord's Prayer. You're just like, man, God, this is who I expect you to be. And this is who I am in this reality too. I desire your kingdom to come here on this earth. Because why? Because I want to love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. And it's like we're starting to set expectations with God. But to just pray isn't enough. Like prayer, like when we see our role to love our neighbor, prayer then what? Has become an active thing. So we think about it this way, that prayer is not a substitute for obedience and action. So we don't like just pray. It's like, oh, I understand God's expectations. And, and, but like, again, he has expectations from us, and, and part of that is to be obedient and to be people um, of action. And uh, one of the questions I wrote down uh, this week around this, oops, was this. How many unanswered prayers are because of people's lack of devotion to what Jesus taught? So, um, the most common way God answers prayers is through the actions of his people. It's not in some huge miracle. Um, does, can a miracle happen? Sure, a miracle can happen. But the reality is, the most common way God answers prayers is through the actions of those who say they follow him. So I'll give you like a easy example. Um, most of the people in this room, you're going to hate when I say this part, but most of the people in this room, if tomorrow you went to work and they said, we're cutting your pay 10%, most of the people 
in this room would be okay. You'd be like, ah, oh, man, that really stinks. But I'll figure it out, okay? So we'll just say that, we'll just have that off here in the corner, right? So you, you'd, be, you'd be fine. Does Jesus teach us to be generous? Does Jesus teach us to be generous? Yes. <sighs> Feels good just to tell the truth, right? So <laughs> Jesus teaches us to be generous. 10%, right, we'll just use 10% as a number. 10% um, would be a number you might consider like someone's generous with, okay? We'll just use that as numbers as they're generous with. If in, in our context at a Hill City Church, if every adult gave 10%, and then we're using like rough Richmond numbers estimated, if every adult in our community gave 10%, we would have about three and a half to four million more dollars a year to help people. Now, do you know how often we hear, in, and listen, we are a very generous church, like this is part of our core values and like the reality of who we are as a church and, the, and honestly, what people think of us as a church is generous. So in, do you know how often we have heard, you guys are an answer to my prayers? It happens all the time. I mean, all the time. Can you imagine if we had three and a half, four million more dollars? It's just, I mean, that's just mass. But, but there is a reality of how we begin to engage. It's like, man, I, I actually believe that part of the reason so many people have unanswered prayers, and this is no mystery, is because the people that say they're following Jesus actually lack devotion to do the things that Jesus taught. And that's part of it. It's just true. There's also a second part to this which is we don't know the whole picture. And here's the mystery part. Think about this. Um, how many of you guys have gone on vacation and prayed for sun? <laughs> right? What if you praying for sun hit, hurts the farmer down the road that really needs the rain? Right? So we went to Hawaii and it rained for eight straight days. We were there for the record rainfall in Hawaii when we went. Were we sitting there being like, oh God, let it bless the land? No, we were not. We were bitter and still, honestly, a little, I'm still a little bitter about it. And this is like 18 years ago. And, um, but the truth is, like even when we, we don't know the whole picture. And so sometimes even when we go on vacation, we're like, oh my gosh, it rained the whole time. The weather was terrible. And, and we get miserable about it. And it's like, hold on a second. What if... That week that you were at the beach and you had like a really nice house and like all that stuff. But man, it was a massive answer to prayer and blessing for the person down the street. See, we don't know the whole picture all the time. And, or how about this? What if uh, an unanswered prayer actually leads to a movement? And here's what I mean by that. A movement within your soul. A, move, a, a spirit of God movement inside of you. There's something that um, became a prayer that was an answer that you wanted to see happen. And it didn't happen yet in the way that you hoped for. Yet it drove you into this passion to see something else happen. So often in justice movements, that's what it is. That, that they, people are praying for something to stop and it wasn't stopping, and they realized we got to get involved, and so they're acting, and something was driving a movement inside of their soul that actually became the kingdom of God on this earth. Would you be okay with, like, God, even if you don't answer this the way that I had hoped, that let it start a movement within my soul or within my city or within my nation? 
We've heard people who have gotten heavily involved in adoption or foster care and everything. And it's, and it's like, man, there was something that maybe a prayer wasn't answered in the way that they thought, but it drove them into this movement within their soul to have this deep heart to help others and its capacity. If you think about Jesus, like this last 24 hours of his life, it was, it was an unanswered prayer, right? He prayed for this cup to be taken from him, yet it, it wasn't. And, and then he, he goes to the cross, and, and the people around him, like, they were praying for Jesus. Like, that's what they do. Like, you're praying, like, God, please don't do this to Jesus. Please don't let me kill. Like, all that other stuff. And, and, and God answered the prayer in a different way than they thought was going to happen. Like, they were not sitting around praying, being like, like, the disciples were sitting there, and, and we know this because it's in the Bible that they, they all doubted, they all scattered, and everything else. But but they weren't sitting there praying like, oh God, we are so gracious. You're so gracious and kind. Thank you for raising Jesus three days from now. Like they were praying in such a way that they were just like, I can't believe this happened. But see, maybe we just don't know the whole picture. Even in Acts chapter 12, um, James, the brother of Jesus, and Peter both get arrested. James dies. It says that they're, they're praying for both of them, but then, then, then Peter lives. We don't know the whole picture. But it helped start part of the movement and cultivate something within the movement, those that followed. One of my favorite quotes around this is by a guy named Tim Keller. He said this, that God answers our prayers exactly how we would want him to if we knew everything that he knows. So maybe we don't have the whole picture. Think about this. Do you think those that are in paradise with God right now um, are sitting there being like, Dang, God, I wish you had answered that prayer the other way. Like, I think sometimes maybe we don't think enough of the way God might have the whole picture involved here. And there's a mystery to that, but there is like a truth to it and how God begins to work. And so let me ask you another question. Um, do you trust that God is good? Because if God is good... And even in our unanswered prayer and the mystery of our unanswered prayers, if God is still good, that we can have faith in him, we can have hope in him, we can believe that things are, are kind of working the way that um, they should be working and that he's got us in the midst of this. We sang about the presence of God um, earlier. And so what if this? What if finding the presence of God is the answer to your prayer? Is that enough? Or, or is it, I mean, that's nice, but I'd also like. But isn't the, to just be in the presence of God, that's what we just sang about. It being all that we need. To, like, shouldn't that be our hearts? To just think, whoa, if, if I discover the presence of God in the midst of my unanswered prayer, what a good and kind and gracious and compassionate God. To experience him in the midst. It doesn't mean you won't have sorrow or mourning or it won't be hard. But can you imagine if that's, the reality of our heart. So let me give you some practical things. Um, Laura, you can come up. Um, let me give you a couple of practical things before we sing one last song. Here's some questions to ask during times of unanswered prayer. What am I learning? What am I doubting? Who is with me? Because it's important to do all this stuff together. Do I trust God cares in the midst of the silence? Am I doing my part? Am I okay with an eternal yes being an answer instead of a temporary one? That's the presence of God. I mean, here's what I mean by that. Um, 
How many of you guys have ever prayed for someone to be healed and they ended up passing away? Anyone? The temporary answer to that was no, but the eternal answer to that was yes. They were healed. So, are we okay with an eternal yes? In spite of a temporary one sometimes. It's hard. It's hard. Um, the mystery of God, the seeing the hope, it's all so hard because guess what? In the moment where your heart is breaking, in the moment when your desire is actually so good, in the moment you're praying for, for someone who's been like so far off from God, or in the moment you feel all the emotions and you should and we should and, and appreciate that reality. In the moment where you're praying for something, even it's for yourself, like, God, would you answer this prayer? And it just hasn't, like, taken shape in the way that you've wanted it to just yet. Is his presence enough? We're going to uh, sing this song called Shall Not Want, which is one of my favorites that we do here. And um, the premise is, like, man, when I'm with God, I, I'm in his presence and he's my shepherd. It's like, I, I won't be in want. In the midst of darkness and pain and weakness, I want to lift my eyes to where I should to experience his goodness and mercy. It's, this is all based off of Psalm 23. And it'll say this. It's like, he anoints me with his oil. And here's what he's saying. This idea of being anointed with his oil is like that God has a purpose and a plan for your life even in the midst of your struggle, even in the midst of your unanswered prayer, even in the midst of the mystery of what's going on in your life. And then when we get that and we understand that, that it fills my cup and it overflows. And then you'll sing this one little line that'll say, and when this life is over, like, I'm gonna live again. Right, like this isn't the end of the story. The temporary no will still mean an eternal yes. And that our hearts are, should be in a spot where we're like, God, we, we don't know the whole picture, but we know who you are. And we know what you expect from us. And in that mystery, I just want to be with you. So you bow your heads. You guys can come up. So God, this morning, um, as we're about to sing, I, I just want us to pause here and if there's an unanswered prayer that folks are going through that um, they would actually name what that is right now. God, as they begin to name it, God, my prayer would be that we'd be able to see that you're good in it. And I trust that you are good. And as we sing the lyrics to this song, God, that may they speak life into our unanswered prayers and bring us and build us into a faithfulness in you to trust your goodness, to trust your mercy, to trust in the mystery of what it means to follow you. You stand and sing this last song.